Thank you for those songs. I'm amazed at how God works. How often I'll prepare something and then I'll come to church on Sunday and everything else will kind of just all meld together and it fits and it works. It's like, God, thank you for the affirmation. Thank you for confirming what you have been speaking to me. And this morning has once again been that. Um, Dave, with your opening this morning, it could not have fit any better. It is just a separate passage, but one that fits so well that I, I feel like I almost have to read it for those that weren't here to hear what you had said. And so might have to do that. I'd like to start with prayer, and then we'll go ahead and get in to what God has given me. Lord, I just want to invite you here this morning. I pray that your presence would be with us, that your voice would be heard, that we would be able to be open to what you would have to say to us, that we'd be able to understand it and to, to accept it, Lord, and also to humble ourselves before you and be willing to admit where we have failed or where we have made mistakes, and then to seek you with all of our heart and to turn towards you and to desire you as a deer that panteth for water. I just pray that your presence would be here. In Jesus' name, amen. In the last little while, I have been doing some thinking about the sermon series that I brought out of First and Second Peter. And having finished those up, it's kind of been an opportunity to go back to what I used to do quite a bit, which is to preach sort of topically. And this sermon this morning is a bit of that. I was in a conversation um, a while back with with uh, someone here in the group, and they were asking me, what do I find important, or what do I think is, is valuable? What is this church meant to do? And as I have rolled this around in my mind, the answer has become one that is, to me, is extremely simple. And the rules that would be surrounding that also are extremely simple. And I'd like to start reading here out of Mark chapter 12. And this is extremely familiar. This is not something new, but it is something I think is important to be reminded of. And so I'd like to go ahead and do that this morning. Mark chapter 12, starting at verse 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? I like this because this seemed to be a person who was like, you know what, he, he enjoyed discussion, he, and he had some questions on his heart, and he listened to them talking about this. He's like, wow, these people have some really has some really interesting things. Jesus has some things that seem to be really well said. And I want to ask my question. And this is somebody that's different than a lot of the people that talk to Jesus. In that this one, he seemed to actually have a desire to know what was right and what was true and what was good. And so he says, it says, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. He said, first and foremost, I want you to know that to put God at the center of your life is the most important thing you can do. There is no commandment that is greater than that. There is nothing that is of more importance and of, or of higher value to your life. This will change your life if you do this. You will look different if you do this. You will be different if you place God in the center of your life and you serve him first and you love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. You will be different than many other people around you. <laughs> the other day I was... Um, unloading a 
thing for the back of my truck. It's a body. I'm going to replace the one that's on it because it's rusting out. And one of the guys there was Tom Tenefoss brought it over, and one of the men there, I guess, is somebody that's quite a character, and I started working with them recently. And he has a saying. Tom said that it's just really bothered a lot of people. But he has this saying that, that a chicken can't milk a cow that it's riding. I know, that's what I thought. What? And you get this mental picture that's like, wait a minute. Well, could the chicken milk the cow even if it wasn't riding it? Anyway, so it's one of those things where if you love God, your, your life is going to look a certain way, and you're going to realize that you can't do the other things that the world wants to do. You can't be the other things that the world wants or, or influences you toward. If you are focused on loving God and, and being one with him and understanding what he desires of you, you're going to look so different that people are going to look at you and just, in a way, they're almost going to be mind-locked. They're going to be like, why is that so different? Why does that person look so different? And I want to continue on because Jesus does not stop there. Even though the man said which of the commandments is of primary importance, Jesus gives him the first one. You think, well, that would be the one he was, Jesus answered his question. Why, did, why didn't he just stop right there? Because these two commandments are so tied together, I'm not sure you can give one without the other. I'm not sure that you can explain the meaning of the first one without also having the second one be a part of it. And Jesus seems to recognize that. And even though he numbers it as a separate one, he says, look, we need to get these things together. These two things are parts of a whole. And he says, and the second is like it, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Love thy neighbor as thyself. What does that look like in your life? What does it look like to love your neighbor as yourself? I was driving through... Uh, Dover on Thursday and we were I was settling on the farm and it went through and the settlement occurred and it, it, in some ways that was really freeing but I was I was driving through Dover and I had to run up north of Dover and drop off a, a router and I was coming back down through and I saw this guy standing on the corner and I don't know is I don't remember people used to do this like when I drove through Dover but it seems recently I've started noticing a lot of people standing on corners with signs and I've seen different signs over the years, you know, I'm willing to work. I don't see that one quite as frequently anymore, but um, they have all these different signs. And I drove past, and this one guy had this sign, and it didn't look like one I'd seen before, and so I was really trying to look at this sign, and he saw me looking, and he swung it around, and he, he pointed it to me, and it said, um, insult me for one dollar. I drove away because the light had turned green, and I drove away, and I thought, insult me for a dollar. Well, how, why would anybody want to stand on a corner and just have people insult them? Or if they do, like, are they doing it because that's a good way to get people to give them money? What does it mean to love your neighbor? I, as after a while, like 20 minutes later, as I rolled this thing around in my head, I, I thought, you know, it would have been really nice if I had rolled down the window and said nice things about him and then gave him a dollar. I don't know, maybe that would have been the wrong way to do it. But th this idea of what does it mean to love? Love, when we love our neighbor as ourselves, we do the things that we would like to have done to us. And yes, there are different love languages. And there are some people that will have different things that they appreciate. And some other people have other things they appreciate. And you can't treat everybody the same. And I know I've told this story before, but when I, I started dating Lawenna, I sent her flowers. Because I had heard that's what girls liked, was flowers. It seemed like the appropriate thing to do. And so I sent her flowers. 
And I re realized very quickly that that was not something that she appreciated. But even so, we want to do things and treat people in a way that shows them love. And these commandments, as a young kid, I always thought a commandment was something that always had to be followed. And yet, really, commandments are guidelines to show us the ways that we should treat people. If someone, you know, when you go to driver's ed, if somebody was, set, was to say that you have to sit in the driver's seat to drive the vehicle, we would say, well, that's maybe sometimes true, but I know that I've reached across before when the one has been doing something and, and grabbed hold of the steering wheel and just driven down the road that way when she's in the driver's seat. So it can be done without doing that, but if you were to try to drive the car from the passenger seat all by yourself, that'd be extremely difficult. In a lot of ways, God's laws are guidelines for us that we should follow. And as I thought about this, I thought about what, does those, what do those guidelines look like? And Jesus did this once in his ministry in which somebody asked him about what it, whose wife she shall be in heaven. He said, well, let's go back to the beginning. And so I, what I'd like to do is go back into Genesis. And what, what should we look like as followers of Christ? What should it look like to be lovers of God? And I'd like to go back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28 and 29. God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And behold, God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, and it shall be meat for you. And he talk, goes on and talks about giving dominion over the beasts of the field and over the birds of the air. And he's telling them what he expects of them. But here we see this idea of you should be fruitful and multiply. I think as people that are followers of God, we should want these things that God set up originally. We should desire to be fruitful and to multiply. And that means that it is one man and one woman for life. That is, that is what it means to be fruitful and to multiply. It should be something where we follow after his will and desiring to, to take care of the garden. In chapter 2, uh, starting at verse 15, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. You know, we have a responsibility here on earth, and that is to take care of what we have. That's part of loving God, is to take care of the things that he gives us. Going on to, verse, to chapter 3, starting at verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden of the cool of a day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. One of the things I see here is this idea that one of the things we should do if we love God is to have daily communion with him. You should have a quiet time on a daily basis with God. If you're going to love God, if you're going to, to be follower of his, if you're going to understand what he has for you, you have to spend time with him. You know, you can't know what your spouse is like if you don't spend time with them. You can't know what your friends are like if you never spend time with them. And you can't know what God is like unless you spend time with him. And that means on a daily basis. This was something that was set up from the beginning. And God knew the instant that that Adam and Eve didn't walk with him, he knew it. And the same thing happens in our relationship. If we don't walk with God on a daily basis, if we don't spend time in his word, 
if we don't commune with him in prayer, that separation is going to occur. And we're not going to know what he wants of us and what he desires of us. I'd like to go back to Romans chapter 13. And this is the passage that Dave read this morning. And I think it lines up so well that it needs to be read again. Romans chapter 13, starting at verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this, saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. You know, Tuesday, we found out that we were going to be settling on Thursday. And we called and asked some of the men of the church or the church to come and help us. And I'll tell you, I experienced the love that you had for me and also that you had for God and those that came out and helped. I really, really appreciated that. And it's it's one of those things where in the middle of it, it's like, boy, I wish this was going better, or I thought this would work better, or I thought this would go like this. And yet in the midst of that, having men there that would help and having Aunt Mary provide food and all the things that went into that, there was a love that went into that that I felt. And I, I know that if we are going to love one another, it needs to be in actionable ways. It needs to be ways that can be seen and heard and felt. And I think if we are going to make an impact on the community, if we're going to, to have people here that desire to be a part of the fellowship, if we're going to have them desire to be part of God's family, it means that we also are going to have to show them the love that we have for God in a way that is actionable in their life. When people come here to this church that are visitors, we need to talk to them. We need to show people that we care for them. And as a part of that, they'll realize that we also care for God if we care for them. Because the world does not do that. You have that man standing out there with that sign, you know, salt me for a dollar. And yet you see online kind of the results of that. There are people, they call them trolls online. And basically all they do is go up there and they just insult people or they, they say bad things about people or tell them that they're not worth anything or that they should do this or they should do that in some way harm themselves. And it's like, I feel like that in... That sign kind of it was embodiment of what is happening in a different world where people are saying, well, people like to insult people, so I'll let them do it to me. Instead of being a part of that, instead of accepting those, those insults or giving those insults to others, I think we should in, in, ex, instead show people the love that we have for them by being willing to say the good things about people. Um, we had the funeral for Debbie Lynch the other day and I attended there and I saw many people from the church here that were there and I had to think as they told stories about different things that she did how the, I don't the way that she showed love to people is not the way I would have wanted love shown to me but she did care for people and people felt that 
how do we care for people? How do we show love for people? How do we show love for God? This is a ministry that we have, and each one of you, each one of us, are a part of that. It's not just one person's job. It's not just the Sunday school teacher's job to encourage and teach the children, but each person here is a part of that. We all have an obligation, a ministry. We stood up here, Dave prayed for the Sunday school teachers this morning, and I think that all of us should be willing to recognize that we have a ministry in the, in the, here in the church. This is a fellowship of believers, a priesthood. Each of you, in your own ways, have a ministry. It might not be a great one, but we all have something to do. We all have something we can do. And I am thankful for those who are willing to help out and to make a difference. That difference might be as little as when a visitor comes in on a Sunday morning, just walking over and saying hi and asking them, you know, where they're from, what's going on in their life. Or perhaps it's inviting somebody you see at the, the grocery store. We all have a job to do. We have moved into our camper on the property that we've, we bought, and we're planning on building a house. But as, as we've been back there, it's been very peaceful. It's a very quiet place. It's, it's surprisingly for where it's located, it's, yeah, it's peaceful. And this morning I was sitting out there and working on the sermon, thinking about it. And as I was sitting out there, three spotted fawns walked across. It's been about from here, from about me to Elva away. They walked right past me. And there were squirrels in the trees and birds singing. I had to think about the things that we go through, the experiences that we have shape who we are. And those same experiences, as we share them with others around us, can make an impact. God desires to work in our world. He is a part of that. We, we, I saw it this morning in the way that he confirmed what I was to speak about. But if we recognize that God desires to be a part of your life and to work through you, and as we get to know him better and better, and as we draw closer to him and the love that he has for us, we can see that we are valuable. I know at times for me it feels like, ah, well, Josh, have you done anything good? Have you done anything well? It seems like this all fell apart. This didn't work out the way I wanted it to. And yet God loves us so much. He cares for us, each individually. And as we take that, his desire to have fellowship with us, as we recognize our value through that, we can also then say to others around us, you are valuable. You're of great value. I heard someone recently made a comment about the idea of they didn't want to be somebody loud and, and pointing out where other people have failed. And I think that there are times where we are not called to point out direct sin in people's lives, but I think that there's also a time where we should. There should be a time to say, this is wrong. This is what we do. This is what we shouldn't do. And we should be willing to point to Scripture because love will speak into people's lives at time to time in a very direct way. Anyway, this, this person commented that, that they would like to show God's love quietly. And I, as I thought about that, it made me ask the question of, if you saw somebody running headlong toward a bridge that was out, would you just quietly walk the other direction and not say anything? Would you quietly 
wish that they would follow after you? Or would you stand there and warn them and tell them that the bridge is out ahead? Don't go that direction. Don't do that. I, I, the love that we have for others will also be one that points to God and say, there is an everlasting home. There is a hope for a future. Our lives are so short here on earth. And with Debbie Lynch only living 61 years, it makes me realize I might not have a lot of time. My grandfather on my dad's side died before he was 52. And I had three uncles that died before they hit 52. It makes me realize it's that 10 years, 11 years for me. Time is short. Let's then take what God has given us, the gifts and the abilities he has given us, and let us serve, let us run with patience, the race that is set before us, so that we can, at the end, earn the prize that awaits us. Thank you.